You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hi, it's Erica. Hey, it's Grace. And hey, it's Shannon. This week's case is Amanda DeGuio from Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. Amanda disappeared from her home in Drexel Hill on Hiawatha Lane on June 3rd. She left the house, um, left her keys, uh, cards, cell phone, walked out of the house and hasn't been seen or heard from since. So it's been, you know, eight years now. Almost nine years since since she left, they had just returned from a Disney vacation, like a family Disney vacation. And you know, the day of June third, her mother, you know, went was going back to work and asked her, you know, to like do the laundry, put the luggage away, you know, from the trip. And um, that was the last her mom spoke to her. And then she left that afternoon, and nobody knows exactly what happened. So. Did she live with her mother she, together with her yes. mother? So, and the she family vacation her, was her, her mother, and do you know who? I, I, they said it was a family vacation, so I know it was probably her, her daughters, her parents, uh, possibly her sister okay. as well. No, nothing really confirmed okay. on that. So, but about Drexel Hill. It's about eight miles from Center City. So when it, Port Darby Township's a pretty large township in, you know, in Delaware County. Um, I grew up there. So, you know, I'm very familiar with the areas that she frequented. I know, you know, the street that she lived on, which interestingly enough, um, her street is like, like right at the edge of the township borders, like Haverford Township and Springfield Township. Um, but she was probably, you know, I would say maybe like, you know, five, 10 minutes from, from my house, real nice, real nice neighborhood. And back to Drexel Hill, um, it's as of the 2020 census, the population was like 29,191. It honestly seems a lot larger than that. I moved out like 20 years ago. And even when I was in high school there at Upper Darby, our, just, just our high school classes alone were like 2000 plus. Wow. Um, Well, well, for the high school, not our, you know, about 500 a piece, but still that was pretty large for the area. From what I hear now, they're like up in, you know, up towards a thousand a class, thousand kids graduating. So it's really, it's really blown up. Um, I'm really surprised about that number. So I think that there might be a little bit of (laughs) non-reported people in the township, if that makes sense. I guess that's possible. Um, so, you know, cute. It's a, it was a cute neighborhood, a lot, lot of fun to grow up. Some notable facts about Drexel Hill. There's uh, what they believe is the oldest log cabin in North America. Um, it's called the Swedish cabin. So they believe it's built by Swedish settlers around uh, between 1638 and 1655. There's also a historic home called the Collin Brook Farm, which was built in 1710. Um, the township now owns that and opens it to the public on uh, Sundays. I've never been there, believe it or not. I know exactly where it is and never, never been there. And then there's also a lot of like Quaker settlers from way back. Most notably, Thomas Garrett is one who was an abolitionist at the time too. And like one of the main roads through Drexel Hill is Garrett Road. So he had a, he had a underground railroad house though in there too. Oh, that's really interesting. 
can you yeah yeah it's um see really the house? cool there's a can you tour the house yes okay. um i don't i don't know if you can tour it i think it's privately owned oh, okay gotcha but i know there's several um there's several houses that claim to have been part of the underground road in Drexel hill so it's a cool little town i wouldn't move back because it's crazy busy now not that Phoenixville's any better. Yeah, right. <laughs> since, since, yeah, since I moved out here, it's blown up too. I'm like, I gotta go to the woods or something. You bring the action, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm such a I'm such a homebody now. I don't know. Um, Drexel Hill also has two trolley lines. One that begin at 69th Street. One that runs through um, Sharon Hill, which is a little bit closer, like to the airport, towards you know, towards uh, Jersey. And then the other one goes out to uh, Media, which you might be familiar with Media. The ca- that's the county seat for Delaware County, the courthouse. Okay. Um, yeah. Actually, Wanda Sykes lives in Media oh. now with her wife, which is... I didn't know that. You are full of fun facts. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. I, I am. I get really excited when, like, you know, famous people go to Delco. <laughs> Um, some famous residents um, of Drexel Hill, like in the past, Dick Clark and Ed McMahon, they lived in Drexel Brook Apartments, um, which is actually like really like a, almost a stone's throw from where Amanda lived with her parents. Two singers graduated from my high school, Jim Croce, you may have heard of, and Todd Rundgren. Are they both country? No, like folk. Okay. Like, well, Jim Jim Croce, Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Oh, I know that um, song. Yeah, operator. Okay. Yeah. Um, we actually on Easter Sunday went to see his grave in Malvern. So producer, director Nancy Myers, um, the no- 2000 Nobel Prize winner for chemistry, um, Alan Graham McDermott. And then my favorite, Tina Fey, mm. who was two years ahead of me in school. She was my cousin's tennis like partner for ten- on the tennis team. <sighs> And she grew up four blocks from me. I love her so much. And her parents still live there. So you went to Mean Girls School? (laughs) I went to Mean Girls High School, yes. That is the best fact. That is the best. I did. I I worked with a girl who went there as well. Oh, really? Yeah. It's uh I didn't have that that mean girls experience. I was just kind of like, you know, I just did my own thing. You know, I was friendly with everybody. I wasn't plastic you know did you wear pink on wednesdays I plastic i did not i wore you know i wore you know metal and rock band t-shirts and jordash jeans and high tops i love it so yeah good times amanda did not go to upper darby high school um but i think she was more into in the in the haverford school district okay which which makes sense because of where that street is it's it's Drexel Hill, but I think it might be part of Haverford Township. It's like this in between kind of. Goofy. Okay, yeah, yeah. How is Haverford Township? Is that a is is that a good school or scary? They school? were our rivals, okay. so I would say okay. no. But no, they were <laughs> you awful. Know, they, you know, <laughs> but they you know obviously fine. Actually, I knew a couple people that left our school district to oh, okay. to go. You know, because they didn't like didn't like Upper okay. Darby. They're like, no, move me to Haverford. We're all like, shame. But yeah, no, but you know, perfectly good school district as well. Just, just our, you know, our Thanksgiving day football rivals. (laughs) So then growing up, um, Amanda's mother said she was like very social. She was a solid B student. 
Um, she had some health problems during her her childhood, so she wanted to work at CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, if anybody is wondering what that meant. And she was accepted into the nursing program at Newman University in over in Aston. But then she became pregnant with her first child, so she um, she left after her freshman year. And then she enrolled in CHI Institute in Marple Township, which is um, Broomall, which is like kind of like the next town over from you know from where she lived. So they had a you know a CHI Institute. There was a Keystone Business School. They had a whole bunch of like you know. Um, certificate program type schools that you could go and, you know, so she did that for a medical assistant and intended to go back to nursing school at a later time. So when she disappeared, she was 24 and she had had a second daughter since then. It wasn't unusual for her to like go stay with friends if her daughters were not home. So from what I gathered, her da- her daughters were with their dad and, you know, she was for all intents and purposes, everybody's thoughts are she left you know, was hanging out with friends, but, you know, didn't return home. So one, one dad for the children, like one ex for her? I'm not sure. There was nothing like they didn't, I didn't find anything that really mentioned, mentioned them. Didn't mention, you know, much about the girls, like everything that I found, it was almost kind of like just the same verbatim um, set of facts. Less good, and maybe that's intentional to keep them out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, you know, I think they were fairly, you know, fairly young at the time. So, I mean, they're a little older now, but I don't, I don't think I haven't seen them named anywhere or, you know, I know her sister, according to the Facebook page, her sister does a lot of charity work with the girls. Like, so they, they, you know, she, they do stay involved in doing good things for, for other people as part of like, I guess the outreach with the case. So, um, so we, yeah, so when she left, she was wearing shorts and a tank top. She didn't, she didn't take a cell phone and this, I can't really confirm because everything I've seen says she'd left without her cell phone. But then I found another, another article that said that her mom said, you know, she kept calling her cell phone. So I don't know if she actually did leave with it or not, or if they, you know, didn't really confirm at the time of that article that maybe she had left it at home and, you know, her mother thought it was on her and just didn't realize that it was high. So not, not really sure about that. I couldn't, couldn't get a confirmation either way, but You know, in any case, there was no contact made after she left the house that day. Okay. So she could have. And she didn't drive. She did or she didn't? She did not. So. Okay. Now everybody has a ring doorbell or, you know, or a camera outside their home. So, you know, they don't know if she left on foot. They don't know if somebody picked her up. They don't know if, um, you know, which direction she went. So they didn't say if they, if they have her phone. Like if it's in police custody, they didn't say like that she had left it at home and it was off. So when her mom was calling it, she didn't hear it ring or something. So we have no idea. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And I would think too, and this is just my speculation that if she had left at home, they would have been able to see who the last people she spoke with were. You know, I know it was, you know, probably wasn't a smartphone, you know, it might not, it may have been, may not have been, but there's there was nothing said about you know reaching out to anybody that had last contact with her when she if she spoke to anybody so maybe she did have it with her and it's just assumed that she because she left 
everything else. No, you know, took no extra clothes, took not, took no credit cards. And maybe they thought she left that too. And that was just an assumption. Gotcha. She was always in contact with her family, but you know, at this time she, you know, she did not, you know, get in touch with them. And um, they eventually reported her missing on August 27th to the, to the upper Derby police. And when was the last time they saw her? June 3rd. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, again, without, you know, without really knowing the, the, the circumstances of why it was such a long time from the last time they talked to her till they reported her missing. I don't, you know, I don't want to speculate or judge. She, you know, there were some situations that she had gotten herself in before she, uh, she had developed an infection during one of her pregnancies after her, I think it was her first daughter was born, um, which kind of developed into a, you know, dependency on, you know, opioids. So yeah, there's speculation too, that, you know, that, the, that prostitution was involved, you know, again, yeah, this is all, this is all just on, just on stuff that I'm finding online because I can't get, you know, confirmation either way. So I don't want to put too, you know, too much out there in that sense because sure because we don't really know it's you know yeah and it's you know and you know it is what it is if it helps to find her but it's it's just a little tidbit that's really not not really gonna take us anywhere I guess and people don't realize how easy it is to form an addiction to opioids I mean Mm -hmm. especially when you're on those sorts of painkillers that the doctors give you it's it's a it can be a slippery slope depending on what kind of you know background you have and genetics and stuff like that but you know it could exactly. be it could be anyone it could be and I, I, and i think 10 years ago too they were really giving them out yeah yeah you know it was just like you know, i i i'm hoping now i don't know for some reason in my mind i have it that now they're a little a little more discreet about it but um back then i feel like I they were they kind are. of just coming out and they were just flying out yeah yeah. And then when everybody realized how great they were, you know, street value was like, you know, um, you know, you could you could sell your prescription. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, I got I I was given I think Vicodin and Percocets for for wisdom teeth. I was like, no, cuz it was like this big a pill and I got a swollen face. How am I supposed to swallow <laughs> right. that? You snort it. I'm, I'm just going to say I'm you shoot absolutely. it up. <laughs> No, no, no. I could not. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> so she had a bit of an addiction problem. Um, apparently, it escalated into heroin, which her family did not um, know about until her disappearance. Um, and it's uh, been reported also that she suffered from bipolar disorder. So again, I can't, I cannot confirm for sure. Just, just some of the research that I found. Um, interesting fact that I did, um, find out and I was able to confirm on, um, padocket.com so that about a week after she left house, she allegedly picked up an Oxycontin prescription at uh, a pharmacy that was, that was, um, prescribed to someone else. So there was a warrant out for her issued for her because of oh, that. Oh, wow. So, and do we know who that person yeah. was? If she knew them? We don't know. Not, That's what I'm wondering, because I guess yeah, if she, like, at first I thought it 
she was picking it up for like a friend or picking it up for someone, but if right. she got a warrant out because of it, I guess she stole it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm guessing. So, you know, and that was a week after. So, all right. So she, she just, she leaves the house on June 3rd, you know, so now we know she's, you know, at least at that point that she's still in the area because I think that was in, actually, I don't, I thought I, I thought I had where that was, but where that uh, pharmacy was, but it's local. Um, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, I, I feel like it was Broomall, okay. but I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I forgot to write it down, mm. but I think it, you know, it was, it was local. So it seems like maybe at that point, you know, she slid back into, you know, into the opioid addiction and, you know, at that, you know, after that, who, who knows what could have happened, um, which is unfortunate. So she's also been known to, um, to frequent the Overbrook section of Philadelphia. That's where Will Smith's from. Upper Darby, like actual Upper Darby, not like not just the township, the actual little town in the township, which actually borders like West Philadelphia, like 69th yeah, like Street. Like and, Tower Theater's um, there, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Clifton Heights, which is about the, I guess, the uh, southern end of uh, Delaware County. So you kind of have like, you know, she's like in the upper part of Drexel Hill, so, um, yeah, so, and she's also had a couple different, um, aliases that she's gone by, you know, like Gianna, Ariana, Crystal. Um, I know her, that her family did, you know, did, you know, hit the streets, go looking, you know, looking for her themselves, but, um, or, un, you know, unsuccessful, um, over the past years, there've been some reported sightings about her posted on the, um, it's called the help, help find Amanda DeGuio, uh, Facebook page. And a couple of postings that I saw on there once, uh, was as far away as Utah and California, both which were proven not to be her. The most credible, uh, reported sighting of her was in um, the Kensington section of Philadelphia. So, um, you know, Kensing Kensington's the the rough area with probably, I would say, a good portion of addiction um, out of the city up there. And um, there's, I actually included a picture in the document um, of the woman that they thought was her. It did turn out not to be her. Um, but apparently like it, the resemblance was so close that a lot of, pe a lot of people were going up and asking this woman and somebody else went up to her one day. She's like, I'm not mm. Amanda. Hmm. So, but like the picture looks, you know, looks very similar to her. So she's still considered a missing person. So there's not been any like determination to, to really say that she's deceased. They're still treating it as a missing person's case. They're still following up on tips and leads. Um, the family does have a, their own private investigator, Kevin Ryan. Um, I did reach out to him via email also, but haven't heard back. Um, for some reason I do hear back. I will, you know, definitely provide everybody with an update, but at this time he's not responded. So it seems like maybe law enforcement in general, and also maybe even the private detective is just keeping things very close to the chest for this. I have a feeling they know a bit more than we do. I'm, of course they do. But I, I mean, <laughs> I would hope. I but agree. It seems like a lot of these details are just not being released for one reason yeah. or, or another. 
I agree. And I see, I see both sides of that just from like watching and, you know, watching, you know, true crime documentaries, listening to, you know, true crime podcasts that you don't want to tip your hand fully because you do, will get those, um, those people that'll make a false confession just for like notoriety or whatever. Sure. But, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's a balancing act of how much do you release and how much do you not? Yeah. So, and if they, but yeah, I agree with this case. Yeah, If they, you know, have get someone in custody and decide to charge them, you know, throughout the trial and everything, if they let too much information out there, it could hurt the chances of getting a conviction. So absolutely. And a lot of us like to act like we're entitled to the information. And I love to get as much information as I possibly can. I'm like, in some cases, I'm just like rabid about it. I have to read every single thing I can get my hands on. But I mean, the truth is, we're not entitled to that information. So Sometimes we right. just can't yeah. get it. And it's actually kind of impressive how how little Honestly, there is yes. yeah. out there, like how much they were they're able to keep. Definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I want to know everything. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's like it's it's not your place. You don't you're not involved. Sure. Yep. You're just sitting here, you're just sitting here being, you know, being interested and nosy. <laughs> So, um, in September 22, the police executed a search warrant on a property that was owned by a family friend of the DeGuillos in Nottingham, PA, which is like on the Maryland border. Um, and the search included like cadaver dogs and specialized equipment, but nothing was found. So no information about like what tipped any, anybody off to go out there and to look, but ultimately it was, it was a dead end and, you know, there was nothing found. So, but maybe, you know, again, maybe there was some information, additional information found out that they're just not, they're not releasing. That's very um, interesting but, that they were able to get a search warrant. So there was enough of something, right? Yes. Right. I know. Now I'm like, what was it? Um, it reminds me of uh, the the Lost Boys of Bucks County, like those mm-hmm. four boys and that Cosmo yep. Donardo. That's all I could think of was, you know, just, you know, a, a like a, a rural property and, you know, bringing in backhoes and things like that. And But nothing, nothing there. So that's got to I mean, be I guess hard partially it's for good. everyone, for law enforcement. And, you know, if the family knows that they're looking and to get your hopes up and then not find anything. That's got to be tough. Yeah. And that it's owned by a family friend. I don't know. Yeah. Like if there was yeah. property there that like they rented out that maybe she had lived at one point or something or that's. Yeah. Very. I don't know. That's interesting. It, it is. It's it's kind of like, what's this? What's this friend? know Or did you know? Or like it? Like you said, maybe she was just maybe she was mm-hmm. crashing there. Or maybe she frequented there when, you know, when her kids were not home. So, you know, so no, just nothing. But, you know, they found nothing. So, you know, back to to square one. Um, but um, at the time she disappeared, she was five foot two, weighed about 115 pounds, brown hair, blue eyes, and uh, several, several tattoos. So she had um, a pair of lips or lipsticks. 
lipstick print on her right buttocks. She had an outline of Italy. I have a picture of that. Um, she had the word Tommy on the right side of her torso. I have that picture also. Um, she had the initials SC on one of her fingers and the letters MF in her lower lip. And I have a picture of the SC tattoo also. No information about like what MF or SC stood for. I could take a um, guess at the MF, but... <laughs> Yeah, I have an yeah. idea. <laughs> That's why Can't maybe confirm. why it was in, in the lip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so anybody that has any information or any any you know sightings um, should reach out to the Upper Darby Police Department. The phone number is 610-734-7677. Um, or directly um, Sergeant Daniel Oliveri, he is assigned to the case. His number is 610-734-7669, or you can email him at doliveri, and that's D-O-L-I-V-E-R-I at udpd.org, so Parker Darby Police Department. Org. They tell you that no tip is too small and you can definitely maintain your anonymity. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Please remember never to reach out to the family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music and production assistance by Darren Makins. Join us next time for another case to sleuth out.